0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The feed hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30 for 30% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Andrew Walter from Wild Edge. Uh, they make a variety of, r- really, what they are is a mobile hunting one-stop shop with their own products, right? So, if you're not familiar with the step ladder, I actually had Walter on several years ago. Man, it's been like maybe five years ago, if not, if not longer. Um, and I, Actually, I was the first podcast that he was on. I believe it was the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and that is right when his business was starting, right? And so since then, Wild Edge has grown, and they've introduced some new products, and th- the products that they've, they've had the whole time have really taken off, and they've become kind of a, a staple, if you want, in the mobile saddle hunting niche. And there's a lot of guys out there who like these products. And so what does he do? He expands his product line. After you know, after his company grows, it stabilizes. He introduces some accessories, some ropes, some harnesses. And then a couple year, more years go by, he introduces some platforms uh, for saddle hunting. And then uh, he's also now introducing a saddle. So now what we have here is, like I just said, this one-stop shop. For anybody who wants to get into saddle hunting, it's a unique climbing method. Uh, their their steps are definitely one of a kind when it comes to uh, getting up the tree. But I can tell you right now, it's pretty cool because they are really compact, and it, it is it's they're they're cool. I've actually used them, and they're they're pretty cool to use. So um, this is a really good episode, not only on the, a good way to grow a business, but at the same time. Listening to what your customers want and introducing new products to make them happy, and so it's just a it's a really good conversation with Andrew about Wild Edge and all the equipment that these guys offer. Before we get into the episode, though, we're going to do uh, some quick commercials here, and uh, the first one I want to talk about is Annihilator Broadheads. Now, if you go to their their website here, uh, just you know go to Annihilator Broadheads website, and you're going to be able to see all of the the uh, functionality behind the design of their product and the cool thing about this um, is that it's a unique it's a very unique design it doesn't look like any other broadhead on the market and according to them uh, it's engineered to fly like a field point uh, punches holes through any size animal reduces friction on the arrow shaft or the crossbow bolt and that is what allows for uh, you know friction equals slowing down and if you reduce that friction things can go through faster so the broadhead is able to maintain momentum going through the animal and then uh, it's non-closing wound channels long range field point accuracy and then it is approved for all bows and crossbows uh, that are any speed right so if you want to find out more information go check out annihilator broadheads then we have tethered saddles Um, now what i like about tethered is they've They've not only created a really cool product uh, and product line, whether it's steps or accessories or platforms or a saddle, they've also created this community of saddle hunters and um, so much so. That that community has pressured me into trying saddle hunting, and, and to be honest with you, I was a skeptic for uh, of saddle hunting for a while now. Uh, but if you want to find out more information, go check out Tethered's website. Check out all their saddles, check out their platforms, all different sizes, all different skews for all different styles of hunting. If you want to be comfortable in a saddle, they got a product for you. If you're an ounce counter, they got a, a product for you. So go check out Tethered, and then we have Hunt Stand, right? now for me a lot of these products go hand in hand if you're a mobile hunter you also want to have something in your hand that is showing you where to go right especially if you're on public land uh, or you're on an out of state trip where you you know where you're at but you don't know where you're at and that's where a a hunting app like HuntStand can really help you out HuntStand has some of the most functionality compared to other uh, mobile hunting apps out there uh, I mean, it has the most up-to-date map, uh, most up-to-date satellite imagery. And I think they rotate them out about once every month. Uh, a lot of companies are still using old maps from several years ago, right? And, and and having the most up-to-date satellite imagery is a benefit, especially if there's been a burn or if uh, somebody's come through and knocked some trees down or, you know, all that. And anything, you know, the the terrain changes just like we all changed in a given year. So HuntStand is affordable at only thirty dollars a year, and it comes with the most functionality. So honestly, with me, it's a no-brainer to uh, to be running HuntStand. So if you have any questions, go check out HuntStand.com. All the content, all the instruction, all the how-to about how to properly use HuntStand is there. And then, lastly, the average conservationist, the AverageConservationist.com. Now, if you listen to this. Network, the Hunting or the Sportsman's Empire Network, you you will have already probably heard of the podcast. But Marcus also owns the Average Conservationist line of apparel, and what it is, it is T-shirts, hats, hoodies. There's some other trinkets there on the website that you can buy. But what I really like about their T-shirts and their hats is it's a style that fits me, right? An outdoor enthusiast who isn't necessarily the the best at being a conservationist right but someone who it's on their mind right and they want they they do enough throughout the year to get excited about it and the cool thing about you know not only are the logos badass the shirts are comfortable the hoodies are comfortable the hats are really cool they give 10 percent of all their profits to some form of conservation effort whether that's a nationwide level or, or at a local level uh, when he built this business, he said to himself, I'm just going to budget it right in. And that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to do my part of giving back. So if you want to find out more information about their apparel line, their podcast and all the conservation efforts that, uh, that they participate in, go visit the All right. So we're done with the commercials. Thank you guys very much. If you, uh, if you have some time, go to the hunting gear podcast on itunes or wherever you download your podcast and leave a five-star review i really appreciate that let everybody know that informate that the information that comes from this podcast is uh legit right i'm getting a lot of this information straight from the horse's mouth and uh that makes for good content so i would appreciate that enough talking let's get into today's episode all right on the phone with me today from wild edge andrew walter what's up man same old shit, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. It's been a long time since uh, since we've talked, man.
1: Yeah. Been quite a few years. It's I think, trying.
0: yeah, I think that one of, like, within the first year of starting the Hunting Gear podcast and even back in 2000, I think I think you said, you mentioned before we started recording that we started, like, the first conversation we had about Wild Edge was around 2017. Is that what you said? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Man. So, so what's been going on since 2017, man?
1: A lot. (laughs) A lot.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, So, just like, just real quick, uh, I want to say that uh, it's been cool, especially. You know, starting the podcast. There's there's a couple companies that I I follow on social media, or I've had on the podcast, and I get to kind of watch them, especially when they're a newer company, like what you guys uh, were doing over there at Wild Edge, grow and see the growth of the company, and kind of follow along with that uh, from the very beginning. And I don't know, from just from a from a business standpoint, it's cool to watch others succeed in the hunting space
1: yeah it's been uh it's been been a cool couple of years i mean uh you know i got a degree in wildlife biology traveled the world i was traveling the world in suburban deer management and you know dream job as a kid my job was to kill deer for a living yeah i mean it's much cooler than that um but you know i got i quickly realized that that's not really a life for a family i wanted to start a family you know i wanted my own farm I wanted my own dog, you know, simple as that. So Jim Step came to me in two thousand I grew up with Jim Step, the inventor of the step ladder, since I was fourteen. He basically came to me and we were talking about how I was tired of traveling and he said, Well, why don't you, you know, bring the stepladder back to life? So he used to sell it back in the nineties. And from there on I was just uh you know, head first, hands back, just dove right in.
0: Yeah. So that was a that was a a company that that, that product, I mean, it, it, it had its time in the sun and then it kind of went away for a while. I mean, walk us through the period and, and how you made a decision that was like, hey, man, maybe this is a good idea to bring it back.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, so when I met, met Jim, I was actually, my dad and I were, I was a junior instructor for a 400 safety courses. And Jim and his buddy had come to get their license because in Connecticut, you had to redo your bone or safety strip kit. It was if you had it before whatever age, uh, whatever date. So, anyway, I was teaching them, and Jim pulled us aside after and he said, Hey, do you guys have any private land we can hunt around here? Uh, I could trade you some of my products. So, he showed us the steps, and honest to God, since I was a 14 year old kid, I've been using those steps. Um, and, it, you know, just using them forever, knowing their worth and, just how amazing they are easy, simple. Um, and I'd seen, he had sold them, you know, pre-internet, he had made them fabricated them himself. And, uh, you know, without the power of the internet you were in, he was an LOB and Kittery trading Post, uh, J sporting goods, you know, a couple of stores. Um, and then we were talking about, you know, the power of the internet, how much better you could do. And kind of just rolled from there. And I, I'm the kind of guy, I'm not much of a planner. Um, you know, and I wasn't scared to just jump in. I said, fuck it, let's let's roll, and, you know, just made it happen. Started yeah. with just the steps, um, and then got into saddle hunting. You know, before it was cool, my buddy had an old Anderson tree saddle <laughs> that I used to use. And, and then I got an arborist saddle, and I kind of converted it. And it, it was cool back in the day before. It's a lot cooler now that you can go on the Internet and just go to a one-stop shop and get everything saddle hunting. But back in the day, it was... You know, saddlehunterforum.com. You go on there, and guys are talking. Okay, you get this saddle here. You get this climbing method here. You're gonna chop up these sticks to make them like this. You're gonna get this rope from this. You know, it's all rock climbing stuff. So, you know, I was remember reading. Uh, I was listening to Tony Peterson. It was called Mind Hack. I was doing this program for business, and it basically said, you know, focus on your niche. If you can capture X percent of your niche of X percent of customers. You know, it kind of just, instead of being so broad, like, oh, you can use the steps for picking coconuts or wildlife biology and, you know, all the crazy stuff or tree houses that people had bought them for. I was so sporadic. And then I finally just focused on the niche of saddle hunting. Yeah. And exploded after that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Um, I, like I said, I, I've been following along for a while. So let, let's talk about the, the first Let's let's say pre saddle hunting. Let's just talk about the step for a little bit. Um, so since we talked last, you know a lot of things have changed. This this saddle hunting niche, like you you talked about, has exploded. And strictly from a climbing method perspective, you know you have a a, a very compact delivery system into the woods of how to get your product on. You know from the truck to the tree, right? So talk a little bit about like the the exposure of saddle hunting and like maybe where you where the just the, the stepladder fell in that
1: yeah so that was literally our first and only product for the first two years i'd say um, and it was you know our biggest selling point was how compact it was how strong they are durable you know when i was a kid i was i would use a step i would use anything i could get my hands on you know i had so into hunting i was i'm still psycho as, I, as psycho as i was when i was younger and i'd have 30 40 presets all around on public private you name it um so i remember my buddies and i we started getting into filming so then it was always all right two dudes got to get into a tree one's one has a camera one has a bow or a gun and then we started thinking about it and then you know we'd try to find the 20 dollar tree stands so we have double sets and regardless we always use the steps but then i started looking at the saddle hunting i'm like well This is genius i could just climb above the tree and film a buddy um with the camera and i'm in the saddle i get to wear it in you know i'm not hauling the tree stand in i don't need two tree stands in every tree um so it kind of evolved into that um you know and the the steps are you know it's funny now you get into the saddle hunting world and we get questions like hey can you use the steps for tree stands you know because we've been so focused on the saddle hunting it's like well yeah of course um but just a great way to have a compact system that's durable and, you know, it goes right inside your backpack. And before there was ever, before platforms existed for saddle hunting, you know, we just used a ring of steps. So, you know, two or three steps around the tree and, you know, that was your foothold, but now there's so many other options.
0: Yeah. So, so where did you, I mean, what was that, that growth like? Was it kind of a slow growth? Did it take a while for people to, um, I don't know, did it take a while for people to learn about the product? Or was it just like one big boom, there you were?
1: Oh, it was at, at first. I mean, I can remember the first couple of years not being able to afford a cup of coffee, you know, going to my dad almost in tears like, dude, what am I doing? How, how can I make this happen? I, I can barely cover rent, you know, all these expenses, you know, because I'm, I, I grew up in the manual labor force. I so did excavation, dirt work, stone works. So, and, you know, it's a, a product. I mean, it's a man. It's a surf, labor service. So you go from labor service to then a product service. It's a whole different world.
0: Yeah. You have to wait, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Keep an inventory. I mean, it was easy back then with, I wouldn't say easy, but when you have one or two products, it's not bad. But then you get into 20, 25 products, it's, you're pulling your hair out. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, uh, it trickled in the beginning. I got my first. I struggled. I was making them in my first shop, making the steps by myself. And I showed the numbers, to. I was trying to get an investment. You know, I was a broke 24-year-old kid, uh, 26-year-old kid. So, I, you know, I had no money behind me. Mommy and Daddy didn't have any money to give me. Um, So I was talking to one of my dad's buddies about it. He's not a hunter, but he's a self-made millionaire. Um, His first job was at Arby's now he's a multimillionaire, successful business guy. He kind of looked at, it. I showed him the numbers. I'm like, hey, I sold X amount of these steps. Just make them by myself in my little tiny shop, you know, in first month. I would just have people call, literally sign a liability waiver. You know, I want X amount of steps. I put the order in, boom, I'd make them and send them to him. He saw those numbers. He's like, holy shit, dude. Um, you know, and then boom, he became my first investor, my business coach. You know, he, he guided me along the way on. Basically, how to make everything work and flow, yeah. And from there, once I you know focused on the saddle hunting, then and that that was the boom.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, what did that from from when you got that investment? What changed, right? Obviously, you went like you get the money. How, how did you use that money to grow the business?
1: Oh uh, well, I I use that money to buy product. I mean, I spent the first year. Um, you know, starting a business, making the corp desk or, um, finding the shop, I put an addition on the shop. Um, then by, I used all my own cash by the time I got that first investment, it was, you know, to pay a fab, a fab shop to make the steps so then boom. So I would, you know, he gave me a great, um, payment plan. So really the first, the first loan was, uh, just a buy product and then yeah. flip it, sell it. And then boom, reach back out to him after I paid him off, you know, get another purchase order in. And But the hardest part, it was just, and still to this day, the hardest part is just finding shops to make products.
0: Yeah.
1: You look at this step, it looks very simple, but in fabrication ways, if you look at it, it's pretty complicated. Um, It bends, the notching, the welding, then the powder coating. There's a lot of steps that go into making a simple little triangular piece of metal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So since then, have you brought, have you br- brought the uh, the fabrication of and, and the manufacturing of that in house to where you're running your own shop too, or, or is that still something that's uh, outsourced to a fabrication shop?
1: Uh, so, in last uh, two years ago, uh, I started building my the shop I'm in right now. We have land right down the road from my house. Um, we we're supposed to build the house first, but I convinced my wife to do the shop first. I actually won that battle. Um, <laughs> I built a 4,000 square foot shop with the intention of bringing more products in-house. So, you know, some of the products that we don't sell higher numbers of, so some of the platforms, um, I'm making some in-house. The steps I haven't got to yet, because um, I'm looking into robotic welding and CNC, that's really the only way you're going to make money uh, these days is, you know, instead of paying a welder a hundred bucks an hour to stand there and weld, uh, you can make the investment into uh, robotic welding and it's a big difference. So right now they're made in Texas, Summit Metal Corporation in Texas, and they have two robots running and producing the steps. Um, and the platforms are all handmade between them and I. I also have uh, Matt Garris from Out on Limb Manufacturing. He's like a brother to me. He's my competitor, but you know we work together. He helped me invent the Perch platform. Um, he helped me invent our latest platform, the Battle Axe, which is not out yet. It's in production right now. He's actually making it for me. So, I mean, we have, we have over a dozen manufacturers in the U.S. making our products. Yeah. Uh, between them and then Kong, which uh, all their products are made at their factory in Italy.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the American-made stuff a second, right? Because the more, th- or let me put it this way, the crazier this world gets, the higher priced, all that shit, like it's just getting crazy right now, yeah. right? So to me, I look at, you know, Man, if I'm going to be paying high prices for things, I might as well be really focused on trying to buy American. Uh, um, how important is it for you to keep the the step and the platforms and all that stuff in the, manufactured in the United States, knowing that you could probably go to China or somewhere else and have it made for much cheaper, and your margins would go up.
1: Oh yeah, I I I honest to God, I've looked into China, and it was very tempting, but I had a buddy of mine that. Um, He did plastic injection molding and very successful company. And he just basically told me that, yes, you can get a better price from China or going overseas. But the nightmare of quality control and communication is just, he said, don't do it. He said, you know, just focus on American made. And the biggest thing was when Jim and I had our handshake agreement on bringing the stepladder back to life, he said he's a veteran as well. I mean, he invented the steps because he lost his leg in Vietnam. Needed a stable platform for two steps, both feet as he climbed. Lightweight, so his, you know, his agreement was we got to keep everything made in the U.S. So I stuck with my word, and uh, we've been made in the U.S. ever since. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm a veteran as well. I mean, blue collar veteran. I love America, so it's for me to go yeah. overseas would be going against my my own values.
0: Yeah, I feel you. So as, uh, as the, the step starts to kind of take off in popularity, what's some of the, what's some of the feedback that you are getting from the end users?
1: Um, <clears throat> it's funny. So you have trying to, so guys, when they look at it, it's funny. So put it this way. You have the steps on a pole at a trade show. Guys walk up to it, huge percentage of them grab the step and they look at it like what in the world? Like, how is this thing attached to the step? You know, I try to mess with it. The second you show them, it's like a light bulb went off. It's a 180. Yeah. So the biggest thing is the learning curve. You're not just going to take the steps, take them out of the box, take all your hunting shit, run into the woods and climb a tree like I do. It takes some time, takes some practice, find the attention, finding where you cam them over. I mean, it's definitely, it's a learning curve. But I tell guys, you don't buy a brand new bow and not shoot it, just go in the woods and start hammering giant deer. You know, there's a little learning curve behind it. You got to shoot your bow. You got to practice. And I tell everyone, no matter what products you're using, whether you're mobile hunting, whether you're presets, no matter what kind of hunting you're doing, just find a system that works for you and stick with it. You know, when I have all my gear together, it's there's a place for everything and everything goes in its place as far as, you know, even down to my range finders in the same pocket every time, you know, everyone, the way my whole setup is, it just stays the same. So find what works for you and roll with it. Yeah. I'd say the biggest thing is the learning curve. Um, Yeah, And I've even had guys that buy them. I was just at the Fuller Archery Challenge in Pennsylvania, and I had uh, two customers walk up and, like, dude, I bought your steps. I watched your videos on YouTube, and I'm like, I told myself, either this guy, which is me, is either totally full of shit and just making this look easy, or it really is easy. He said he got them. He messed around with them, couldn't really figure it out, kind of gave up. He's like, dude, I should not have given up. I knew I could do it, and then I showed him in literally 10 minutes at the show. And he was blown away. He's like, just as simple, as simple as getting the tension or, you know, camming it over the right way. He was like, dude, you are not full of shit. He yeah. Said, this this is awesome.
0: Yeah. That, well, that's good, man. Has the has the product or the the design changed in any way since you you know brought it back to life?
1: I mean, literally, the dimensions. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's really changed um, has been the powder coat. You know, sometimes you can go to powder coat a little bit, but literally it's the same exact as it was when I was using them as a kid.
0: Gotcha. All right. And it's cool. I I was thinking about this uh, the other day about kind of products that have lasted throughout the years, especially in like the hunting space. Right. And how when you have something that works, there's really no, it's not, there's, there's no need to, you know, tinker with it fix it and so there there, uh, there's just and then you use something that you really like and you're really efficient with and then and then you try to go to something else and then you realize how good that that thing actually is and that the latest greatest maybe isn't always the best
1: right and my biggest thing is i tell people don't make climbing a tree so complicated right you know if you use sticks use sticks if you want to use steps use steps if you want to use eighters and climb 30 feet with three steps do it if you want a one stick do it i mean it's literally just finding what works for you
0: yeah yeah so how long ago then was it where you were like okay i got the step thing down it's time to expand into other products
1: um i'd say that was year two um my next two products were as simple as uh making lines and lines uh safety lines uh, you know, selling carabiners, um, basically the hardware you need for climbing. Um, and then after that, it was the saddle and then platform. So we're going kind of progress and then, you know, started with the big bulky 13 millimeter ropes, um, that were, you know, pretty cheap to buy. And then go into the, like the eight millimeter Sterling Oplux ropes with the sewn eye, which is a custom rope, a lot stronger, more compact. Um, you know, so start with simple products and upgrade them to better, um, yeah. so it's it was kind of a trickle effect of, I mean, but the hardest part was actually getting the volume of product to then release it to the public. Yeah, always the hardest part.
0: Gotcha. So then, all right. So some accessories, right? Some rope accessories, some carabiners, things like that. Now talk about like it's everybody always, and this is the way I, I see I see it is people kind of add accessories first. For the most part, you know, hey God, we you know let's let's talk about what else we can sell with our, our main product just to compliment, Okay, if people are coming here for the steps, why not offer a rope or right? Why not offer a carabiner, or whatever? How when did the when did the saddle itself and the uh, the saddle itself and maybe the platforms start to um, be more of a, uh, a reality for you?
1: That was I'm trying to think. I released the first platform, the Perch, in 2019. Okay. So that was a good year in development. Um, you know, uh, most people don't understand. You bring a product to the market. There was there's a lot that goes behind the scenes of development, testing, um, changing, upgrading, whatever you call it. Um, this manufacturer, to that manufacturer. So it it took a while, um, but finally I released that. Um, kind of struggled in the saddle realm getting the saddle made by different manufacturers um it's you know the textile manufacturers they're it's a dying breed these days you know just in New Zealand there used to be mills there were thousands in Connecticut um now I don't even know if there's one yeah so that was that was a that was a struggle but um you know my goal was always to be the one-stop shop for saddle hunting and you know today we are
0: yeah and so the the two perches that you offer they connect right into the step itself correct
1: one the perch connects to the step and then the battlement is a platform by itself
0: okay I gotcha all right so you the the first one that you the first uh, step or excuse me the the first uh, the perch right the first platform for saddle hunting that you uh, that you came out with uh, that was a uh, that was something that you came up with, right? I mean that that wasn't like another product that you uh, that you picked up from somebody. That was something that you designed and, and you had to go through the rigmarole of of test product testing and things like that, right?
1: Yeah, I have over two years of development behind the perch before it released. Yeah, and I was struggling. And then, literally, it was right before we went to the Iowa Deer Classic. Uh, Matt Garris from Metal Manufacturing reached out to me. Uh, through a friend of a friend and he's like, I think I figured it out. And literally from that second on, we were FaceTiming for hours and hours and hours developing the perch platform. And then met him in Iowa, tested it, messed around with it, kind of had it, you know, 80% there. And then when I got home, then it was just game on of tweaking it on the manufacturer and, you know, just rolling with it. We tested it for a year before we released it. And, uh, yeah, we've sold we sold a lot of them.
0: Yeah, w- which is awesome. I mean, it, it, it to me, it's a no brainer, right? I, what I what I find is cool is that you've designed a product that fits and complements a product that you're already selling. So right. if if you have someone who's using the steps, it's a, it's an automatic purchase if you want to just add on to that, right? right. I, I don't know. That's what, and I think that's a good. Not only is it, it's awesome product, but it's a good business move, right? As well. So yeah.
1: that, that was my goal. It's like, how can I get in a, a platform to attach to this, but also be detachable? So right. I have probably have three dozen platforms down in my shop that are platforms that are you know welded to the actual step. Um, some that kind of look like the perch that were attachable, um, but I never got to the point where I'm like, you know, this is it yeah. until I met, and then I was like, like you know, light bulbs went off this is this is the one
0: yeah so what did that what did that process look like a little bit i mean were you working with um oh man who'd you say you were working with with that
1: that was uh matt Garris from out on limb yeah, Manufacturing.
0: yeah out on a limb right yep. so this is a product that you guys kind of designed together or did you have it designed and say hey I'm, I'm hitting a roadblock here and you threw it over his way what was what was that process of coming up maybe going from the prototype stage to the the actual end result.
1: I mean in the beginning it was literally him and I on FaceTime video chatting. Um he had he go you know we talked the night before then the next morning it was all right I'm going to Saturday morning he's expect a call from me I'm going to have this baby done and boom there was the first prototype. Um and then you know kind of just going through you know is there enough clearance to cam it to this step can you get it cammed up enough cuz once you put that extra Um, length on the step, you can then cam it over because you have more leverage on the step, right? So then how do you get it closer to the tree? Um, Is it touching the ropes? Is it rubbing this, that? Um, Is it easy to come up to take off and, you know, just going through all that, do we need to add some kind of silicone or some kind of rubber on these contact points? Um, And then, you know, we finally finalized the first perch and then we had the Gen 2 perch where we put wings on the side to kind of keep the step from sliding left and right. A little bit, um, so that was kind of what we called the Gen Two perch. Um, I even had customers that sent their perch back to me that didn't have wings, and I just welded wings on for them. Um, so you know, it was, it was there was a, there was a lot of behind the scenes for it, yeah. and it was you know it was pretty much a, one of the first platforms on the market. Um, so it was it was a big deal, and it, you know it only weighs a pound and a quarter. Um, I I've hunted with it literally since but then we got into you know the world and turned into bigger platforms um which you know it's all like i said before it's whatever worked for you but in my mind you don't really need a giant platform because guys come from tree stand hunting to saddle hunting and they instantly think you know they're standing on a tree stand yeah but really all platform's doing is controlling your movement around the tree you control your entire body with your hips and your feet so to have just one platform on a tree like a tree stand you're really it's harder to get around the tree as opposed to if you had a ring of steps. So like, yeah. you know, the favorite configuration, whether no matter what ring of steps you're using as a platform in the middle on um, that you're standing on with a ring of steps, whether it's pegs or the step ladder or whatever it is around the tree. So then you can literally do move 360 around the tree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something about contact points, metal on metal contact points there. Um, is it loud to connect to that perch into the step?
1: No, it's, uh, it's actually pretty quiet because you have the the perch. All platforms, they're made of aluminum, 6061 aluminum. So, you know, it's a softer metal than the steps, which are made of steel. So, you know, you can – it's just like anything. If you just slam that baby in and just punched it down, yeah, it's going to make noise. But if you're gentle with it, put it in, pressed in nice and easy, it's not going to make any noise. Yeah. And, you know, 99% of guys that are rocking anything, saddle hunting, they're taping the stuff. Yeah. Whether it's hockey tape or – self-strips or whatever it is so yeah there's ways to be noise
0: yeah and I, I don't i don't really um what was it last summer beginning of the season i bought some hockey tape and i wrapped the uh i have some lone wolf sticks and i wrapped wrapped those and i wrapped uh, some some of my mobile tree stands that i use and you know I don't know why I did it, maybe just for maybe the grip factor, not necessarily the quiet factor. And all these people <laughs> this is what blows my mind about the the mobile gear nuts, you know, the guys who are really need yep. oh it needs to be quiet and it needs to do this and that, who are all yep. about mods, right? But I, I don't understand like how loud are some of these people walking in and setting up their equipment in the woods that Good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: It's like, I swear to God, the gear nuts, I just call them the same thing, they want to climb a tree with toothpicks and dental floss. Right. You know, it's like, and I tell guys, you know, how far are you really walking? Right. Are you really walking a mile, or is a mile to you 150 yards? I mean, (laughs) being quiet in the woods, it's like, you watch a coyote or any predator move through the woods, you're not making much noise, so it's like... I swear, I picture some hunters just literally grabbing their shit, throwing on their back, and running to their tree, right,
0: or dragging it. Like, what yeah. are you? What are you doing? That you're so loud that you need to, yeah. stealth strip then, everything metal.
1: Yep, and then getting in the tree and then being quiet. It's right. like, and then the other. How fast can you climb? How fast can you climb? What's your time? It's like, I don't know. Depends on the tree. Uh, depends on <laughs> the time of year. It depends <laughs> if I'm in the bedding area. It depends if I give a f that day or right. if I don't. Right. There's sometimes it may take me 20 minutes. Sometimes it takes me three. Am I climbing 12 feet or am I climbing 25? Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. I'm 41, so I don't move as fast as I used to anymore. And, and so I, I'm not timing anything these days.
1: No. And it's like, I mean, slowest is smooth, smooth is fast. Right. So, you know, anytime I would, you know, I have my setup, right? But then you have other products that you sell that you may not use as much. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to use that right there for this hunt. You know, just to mess around with it, re-familiarize myself with it. So, boom, I grab an Aider. And I swear to God, I was like a monkey fucking a football. Yeah. Because I hadn't used it in so long. You know, I'm dropping stuff. I'm making noise. I'm doing this. And I'm like, all right, Drew, slow down. Go back to what you know, what works for you. And just, you know, yeah. take a step back just relax. You yeah. know, because every hunter gets that feeling where, whether it's morning or afternoon, you get to the tree, you're like, oh, I got to get up, got to get up, I got to go, got to go you're going to come then you sit there for three hours you don't see a deer right right
0: right Right. uh let's talk about the battlement a second um why did you decide on this next platform number one it's very low pro right it's Mm very i mean it's much smaller than the uh, correct i mean it's a smaller platform right
1: the battlement is actually it's a little bit it's bigger than the perch
0: oh okay all right. Yep. Well, I don't know. The picture makes it look smaller anyway. Um, why did you decide to go with a, you know, outside of connecting it to a step on the, on this one?
1: I had a lot of customers, you know, reaching out to me like, Hey, can you make, like, I love the perch, but can you make it so attaches to the tree like an out on the limb bracket? You know, can you do this? Can you make it a little bit bigger? Can you put an angle on it? Um, you know, I use sticks, but I love the perch, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that got into my mind. Okay, they want a bigger platform. They want a platform that attaches to a tree without the step. So, boom, reached out to Matt. Matt's bracket for all his platforms, like the Ridge Runner and Podium, were super popular. Matt, can we make an agreement just like the perch? Um, can I buy the brackets from you? And then I had the platform for the development made by the same company that makes the steps in Texas. And then I assembled them together. So kind of best of both worlds. You had a bracket that was super popular, everybody loved, and then you had a perch attached to a step everybody loved, kind of just merged them together into this, you know, best of both worlds for a guy that wants a little bit bigger of a platform that's rock solid. There's literally no fiddle factor to it where the perch, you know, say you got into a thicker bark tree, like along the river where I'm hunting, there's a lot of ash trees I'm climbing and are dying or dead where you're sinking that those steps into that tree, you know, pretty far because it's so rotten. Where it'd be easier to use a different platform with a bracket. Um, So I kind of had my head spinning, and but once I merged them together, um, I wasn't that big on a bigger platform. But then again, once I started using it, I was like, "Oh, this baby's comfy."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you got you got, and then you got a new one coming out. Yep. What's the? Where does that one land in the uh, in the other two offerings?
1: So this one will be. I feel like it's going to be more popular the more popular than my other two um just because then again i took kind of the best of three worlds so now the new platform it's on a post instead of a bracket so kind of picture a stick on a post with the perch looking battlement looking platform but then on top of the post you have a standoff like uh like the top of the stick um and this baby with the way we designed the teeth on it it literally locks the tree so hard that when you undo the buckle, the platform's stuck in the tree. You just, you know, it'll stay there without a strap on it. It's super solid. Um, Same size as the battlement, but then you have that post, you have that step on top, so then you have a different spot for your foot. Um, So then again, I kind of took three products, merged them together into one badass product.
0: Gotcha. And is this something that your your customers were, were requesting, or is this a product that you're like, hey, I like it, let's just keep it, let's just introduce it?
1: I had some customer feedback, you know, can you put, can I, can you, um, I do some custom work for customers. Like they'll call me, Hey, can you make me this? Um, you know, chop this up and make this, I do a lot of custom stuff for people. So, um, I had a couple guys, can you put a post on the perch or the battleman? you know, with a step on top. And then Matt had just come out with his, um, new platform that, you know, had that post and the step. So then again, reach out to him, dude, I think you can merge these together and make this it's a pretty sweet platform. Um, and kind of rolled from there and he you know my manufacturing shop in texas was so behind they couldn't keep up with making them so matt doing a favor for me he's producing them for me
0: nice so kind nice.
1: of looking at products what works what's the disadvantage what's the advantage how can we make it better. there's always a disadvantage to a product i don't care how amazing you think it is there's always something that you could tweak you could make better um so that's always in my mind it's how can i make this how can i make something better
0: yeah yeah so so how long so the the platforms came out before you decided to introduce the saddle correct correct all right all right so why get into the saddle game then
1: i was because i'm a believer i love it yeah Um, i started saddle hunting right on time me and you were talking 2016 17 yeah might even have been before that but i saw the advantages to it um i'm like the guide for my family right so i'm setting up presets all the time for family friends cousins uncles um and you know i had tree stands all over the place once you realize the safety of saddle hunting and the advantages of it i could have x amount of presets all over the place and all someone has to do is put their saddle on and go to the tree they need a saddle and a rope that's it it's already ready to go Um, and then but my biggest click was i was hunting this property it's a peninsula on a lot of peninsulas and islands on the Connecticut River that are bow hunting only, and they're just absolute hell holes to get to. It's easy to get there in a kayak. You know, I may paddle a mile and only walk 30 yards once I get to the spot, but it's so thick, so nasty. Some spots you got to wear waders. I'm like, I went in there to scout. I was thinking in my head, how in the world am I going to get a tree stand in here? Because I can't hunt on the ground because I can't see 10 feet in front of me. I have to get at least 10 feet above all this undergrowth, this pucker, all the frag, all the nasty prickers and stuff. So that's when I borrowed my buddy's anderson tree saddle and uh went in there with that and then i turned into getting an arbor saddle transformed that into a saddle um then wearing the arrow hunter saddles tethered saddle i wore every saddle i could find um while i had a lot of failed attempts on making my own saddle um but it's just the advantages of the simplicity of it so you know one of our key terms in our company is the kiss system from the military is keep it simple stupid Yep. Um, so, you know, when I'm hunting this place, I literally, am. I put my saddle on when I get dressed with all my hunting clothes. Put the saddle on, grab my bow, my backpack, steps are in the pack. jump in the truck, and I roll. So once I, you know, launch my kayak, my saddle's still on, get to the spot, everything's on me, ready to go. I may scout as I go and every even hunt, or I find a tree, and boom, I'm popping up that tree in minutes.
0: Yeah yeah so when it comes to the the offering that you have here you know what people are buying as a saddle uh is there you know you mentioned you used all of the the previous you know all all the other i guess you want to call it competition now yep what did you take away from those experiences using those products into the design of this what what you came up with
1: it was uh, a lot of simple features that go a long way so my biggest thing is i have a i got broad shoulders and no ass at all so i i wear a 32 inch uh size pants i have 32 inch waist and i have no ass so when i sit in a saddle uh, saddles were always size one and two so size one is your you know 30 inch to whatever um so when i was in a tree the saddles would always ride up my ass so i was kind of constantly pulling it down pulling it down that was a big thing the other thing was you know, when you go to put a carabiner in the one-inch molly loops behind your back, you're trying to fiddle around, trying to get that simple carabiner into a loop, and it's so small you can't get it in. Um, just the structure of it, where the loops are. I didn't like how the uh, leg buckles and your waist buckle were all in a big bundle right on your crotch, you know, metal on metal. It's like, there's no, re- there's no reason for that. So the biggest thing was comfort and uh, usability. So that's why on our saddle we have bigger lines and loops. Um, easier to girth hitch your lines and rope through Um, the molly loops or the gear loops you want to call them they're anywhere from two to three inches in the back nice big loops that you can grab the seat it's an expandable seat so if you want to sit in it like a solid saddle it stays if you want to open it up you just grab those loops at the bottom or the top you can open it up and you gain two to three more inches of seat
0: on your butt yeah
1: and it and then if you want to fold it back to be a smaller saddle, boom, you just reach behind yourself, take pressure off, pull it back. Uh, the waist buckle, the leg buckles are to the side. They're almost on your hips, um, out of the way. The waist buckle is uh, to the right side of your waist. It's out of the way. So just, you know, the simple things and the structure of it was my biggest thing. And quality. I mean, you can you can look at any product. I don't care if you're buying Carhartt pants or you're driving a Denali or a Hyundai. You can tell the difference between quality of craftsmanship and sewing and my biggest thing about anything is you're gonna spend money on product good money on product it better be quality
0: yeah yeah I'm the same way man I'm the same way uh so how like did it come out how you wanted it right away or is this something that you had to tinker with to get it right
1: um oh yeah I I did th- this saddle it was a no-brainer once I had I developed a prototype it took a couple prototypes to get it right and then once I got the final it was you know, light bulb went off. This is it. Yeah, I struggled for years trying to a find a manufacturer, b team up with other saddle hunting companies. Um, didn't really fan out that well. Um, so it, in the long run, it all worked out. I uh, got an amazing relationship with Kong USA. Uh, they manufacture all our carabiners, the duck ascenders, um, and the saddle itself. Their factory is in Italy.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: So, their Italy is known for their metal. Manufacturing. I mean, they've been in business since eighteen twenty something.
0: That's a long time. That's a long yeah. time. Um, so, are you happy with where things are at now, as far as your product line is concerned?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's. I don't know if it's an entrepreneur thing or whatever it is. There's always. It's, it's always like your head spinning. Like I, I, or it's just me personally. I can do better. I can do better. We can make this better. Yeah. Um, you can always make more money everybody knows that you can always dive into more stuff but in my mind it was always i don't want to rush and uh, produce a product that i'm not happy with just to make money just to release it yeah uh, no gadgets no useless stuff i just want to stick with stuff that works yeah that's quality you know so it's, it's been it's been a ride but yeah you know, then again I'm, I'm always looking for better way to do something just like deer hunting i don't care how good of a deer hunter you are you're still still learning
0: right right absolutely so saddle platforms climbing method you got it um what's the next step here are are you going to stick with the mobile theme or are you going to expand into uh, other categories
1: um definitely sticking with the mobile theme um the products we have there you know i've dabbled into one sticking so popular so i'm actually in the middle of producing some kind of one stick with the same variation of these platforms um not saying i would ever one stick in my life i think it's insane with the replace for everything um but there's a need for it so if i can come out with something that's cool that works then you know i'll release a one stick uh getting into the sticks i'm not really i've dabbled around in it but it's you know how how different can you really make a stick right is the thing and would i ever use it probably not um You know, I use the steps 100% of the time. Um, Definitely coming out with working on new variations of the saddle. um, You know, whether it's going to stay with a single panel, double panel, um, you know, as simple as the next run might be a different color. Uh, So, but it's it's always hard gauging. Okay, so I have this inventory of this product. I'm working on the next product. I'm not going to put a purchase order in for a new saddle when I have X amount of saddles still, you know, so there's always that jumble factor of moving stuff around and figuring out. You know what i have to focus on and right now the material
0: oh, everything
1: oh it's a nightmare even as simple as getting the ingredients of sterling ropes and they're out of biddeford maine uh, just to get the Takora, it's a freaking nightmare yeah um you know i used to be able to order 500 2,000 ropes from them and get them the next week and now it's you know, you're 10 to 14 weeks out so trying to gauge that 10 to 14 weeks it may turn into 16 18 weeks when you have the busy season coming it's like, how much money are you spending to sit on all that product? But I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it.
0: Yeah. 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 Because uh, that's one thing that I've noticed in the, the the new product, the new product or product in general in the hunting industry is guys don't wait. If they want a product, let's just say uh, a tree saddle for a hunting mm-hmm. saddle, they're not going to wait for their favorite brand to, you know, a brand that, uh, especially if it's, during the buying season right it's here coming right. up into the 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 summer months they, they want it now and so if you're and i've seen this with other companies where they've had shitty years because th- they didn't have the product or there was a blip in their manufacturing process or materials were, weren't there but oh, yeah. i think right now everybody's probably fighting the same thing
1: yeah i mean it's as simple as you know you could have so say my fabrication shop they're they're on a roll they're pumping out steps the two robots are going everything's going smooth but they had already put a purchase order in for x amount of uh, half inch square tubing that we make the steps out well that mill that metal mill there's only two or three in the u.s that'll make that half inch tubing most of the most common tubing is three quarter inch so it's like finding a unicorn if one of those mills you know something happens there then it's a it's a chain effect so yeah. then it affects my fab shop then it affects me so when i project that yeah i'll have uh 15, steps in-house in this state but if that doesn't happen, then I'm trying to explain to customers, you know, sorry this happened, but most co- the cool thing about the hunting industry is most people are down to earth; they understand. Um, but then you do get those people that are throwing a fit, and it's, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, this is totally out of my hands. I'm not trying to screw you. Yeah. It it is what it is, and I'm I'm gonna do the best. I'll take care of you. That's our biggest thing is you know just being transparent with the customers.
0: Right, right. That's a good. That I mean. That's the best way to do it. All right, so let's talk here about a guy. He's listening to this podcast, and he says, "Man, uh, I want to get into saddle hunting this year, and I, or I, I, whatever. I want to I want to go mobile in certain parts of my my approach. Why should they consider using a or, or checking out Wild Edge?
1: Uh, it's you're gonna okay. get the quality that you expect. It's you're gonna I say the big picture of mobile hunting you're gonna you're gonna simplify everything you do and you're gonna stay safe you're always connected to the tree if you want a compact lightweight system that works you're never going to be you're never going to destroy it you know wild edge is your is your place to go american-made veteran-owned um, we have everything you need and again our whole philosophy is keep it simple stupid you know don't make climbing a tree complicated um, take your time know learn the products practice I tell guys take all your hunting stuff pretend you're going hunting go in the backyard and just start climbing trees like you're actually hunting. then it'll sink into your brain okay this makes sense
0: yeah yeah Uh, and the other thing that uh, you know not to you know have words come out of your mouth but one thing that companies don't say enough I know I know you a little bit from you know our 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 conversations and your social and whatnot but Mm -hmm. Like you're a deer hunter, right? And you're, you're a hardcore deer hunter who is a mobile hardcore deer hunter. So you're a participant in the product that you're selling, right? Some, some guys aren't. So I think it's important that you, you, you say, dude, I I do this every year. I live it. And, and that's why I think certain companies like your, yours and other companies in the hunting space are successful is because you guys are participants in, in what you're trying to sell.
1: Right. And I mean, yeah, your gear is as important as uh, your mental state of mind, your physical condition. I mean, everything is so important. Um, you know, why I tell people, oh, well, how much does it cost me to get into saddle hunting? You know, I, I, you know, it depends on exactly what you get. You could be in the 500 to to $1,000 range. But you're going to buy this stuff. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. You know, right. nothing can happen to it. You may have to replace ropes here and there for safety. But, I mean, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I'm a psycho deer hunter i've been obsessed with my entire life i did it for a living i know it works and i mean you look at my wall i hate to be that guy that's you know look at me look at me look at me but at the same sense yeah i'm not i'm not bullshitting yeah i mean look around my my office there's a lot of dead shit in here and that's because of you know a ge- gear has a lot to do with it besides your ability to hunt obviously your ability to hunt's a lot more important but you know you it, i mean it's just like if you're driving trucks for a living you're not going to buy a Piece of shit truck, right? Right. So if you're serious into something, you get serious equipment. If you're a serious bow hunter, you're not going to go buy
0: a cheap Walmart brand bow. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, Andrew, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk about Wild Edge and uh, congrats on the success thus far and good luck in the future. Uh, excited to see uh, where you guys go next.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, been cool. You were my first podcast I was ever on back in 2017, and pretty cool to be on again.